episode of the Worldwide Shots Pod, episode 42, if I'm not mistaken, a holiday special for you guys. I'm your host for the first time in forever, your guy Kamal, aka Lampa CSE. Uh, we say holiday special, but it's really only a holiday for us Americans, as we've just celebrated Thanksgiving this weekend. So to all of our listeners that also celebrated, we wish you a delayed happy Thanksgiving from us to you. Uh, before I start things off, I announced on this podcast that, you know, this will be a special pod as this will be, you know, joined by everyone from the OG members of the original founding members, actually, um, of this pod. And, uh, you know, this isn't actually true as our main man, Sadiq, um, wasn't able to join us. But, oh, no, he's actually here. Sadiq, are you here? Yeah, man, I'm here. And I've got to see that I own Twitter. And, you know, you're all famous because of me, yeah? So put on the Patreon, like, subscribe, if see, and, uh, you know, you're all famous because of me, so learn your place, man. Uh, you know, Indian's not as good. Bangladesh, number one. Uh, <laughs> is it just me oh, or does Sadiq sound a bit Jamaican? Yeah, exactly. He sounded, sounded a bit off. But... <laughs> His voice got sexier. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, Sadiq, man, I wish you were here. But unfortunately, he couldn't make it due to family commitments. But we move nonetheless. So let's introduce everyone else. All the way from New Delhi is currently, what, two... Two fifth. What what time is it there, Arrow? That is two twenty four a.m. right now. Jeez, dedication. How are you, my friend? I haven't spoken to you in a long time. This feels very good to talk to you, my friend. It it does feel awesome, and it has been quite a long time since I've been on the pod. And with you, I think it's been around like what three four months since we've been on together. So yeah, it feels great. And I'm currently in Guwahati right now instead of New Delhi. So yeah, okay, you've got the location wrong. <laughs> I apologize. But how how far is that? In <laughs> how far is that in relation to your actual how, like uh, New Delhi? I guess. It's uh, as an Indian, I should know that. In miles for okay, in kilometers, it's gonna be around three thousand, I guess. Oh shit! So you're like far? <laughs> okay, no mind. It, it, it is pretty far. It's okay. the northeast. Okay, never mind, never mind. <laughs> Moving on. Take that L. Uh, we've got our very own analytical genius, our very own Mr. Analysis, who puts out constant, endless content for you guys. Matt, how are you, my boy? I'm good, I'm good. Just um, enjoying myself for the last few weeks before my dissertation gets handed in. So despite working on that 24-7, I do try and put as many articles out as I can, which is hard. No, we appreciate that. Get there. We appreciate that. And you're, once your dissertation's in, you're going to be a free man, right? That's going to be the last of it? Yeah, it's going to be, going to be a free man, and there's going to be a lot of exciting content coming out. Sure. <laughs> Absolutely. We can't wait for that. Uh, um, after a long absence, he's finally back, and we have long-time returning guest. Corey, what's up, my dude? Oh, what a blessing to be back on this bad boy. It's been, I don't know, maybe three months like Arlo said I think it's been a while since I've been on here but it's it's great to be back on with all the OG boys so pleasure to have me absolutely can't wait to get into it with you man and then we have the ever-present Mr. Reliable Mr. Optimistic Mike my dude how are you fantastic man just got through watching um Noah Gallagher score in like the 13th minute um against Sheffield that That was a a beautiful goal Lampard-esque as I'm being told you just googled that <laughs> i might have i saw that goal but was it but did it deflect i only saw it from like one angle no 
season. Nobody touched it. Like, oh, okay. Blasted. Yeah, like, it, it, I mean, it was a good goal. Oh, yeah. That's what we like to see from our up-and-coming midfielders. And finally, my co-host, the self-proclaimed greatest guy in the world, Marvito. How are you, my boy? I am doing fantastically well. How are you, my man? I uh, can't complain. And thank you for asking. You know, it's like Sadiq would say, no one else asked, but you did, so I appreciate that. Yeah, well, that's all good, my friend. I actually literally had to quickly Google um, see that Conor Gallagher scored. Um, yeah, I just, just noticed that. That's good. Good for us. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, we've got a plethora of midfielders coming through this club, and yeah. you know, I'm sure at one point in time we're going to discuss who, when, and where is gonna, everyone's going to fit in. But it's time to discuss current shelves. We, we haven't had a discussion amongst ourselves about the current state of this team in a very long time, specifically us, the original six. I know seven, Sadiq going to be here. But I just want to get everyone's thoughts on their current feels of the Chelsea side as we stand. You know, we're currently third, you know, two, three points actually after Liverpool's draw, three points separating us from top. And should we win tomorrow, we go top on goal difference as well as, you know, ours is far superior than anyone else in the league. You know, we've scored the most, we've conceded the second least only by one. So to start, you know, simply, how do you guys feel about Chelsea in this point in time? You know, assessing the season to date, how did you feel coming into the season and how do you feel now? Arrow, I'm going to shoot it to you because you've been off the longest. Yeah, uh, at the beginning of the season, I was quite pessimistic and I wasn't quite sure how to feel about the current squad. I mean, I knew the squad had potential and Lampard was working his best to do his magic over everyone that he recruited but the thing is yeah as matt was emphasizing from the beginning that it takes time to gel the new players into the squad so yeah that's what we saw it was a transitional period and like we've been saying most of our players have been injured anyway at the beginning we didn't have ziish pulisic has hasn't even played bar one game i think which he started and we didn't even have chilwell at the beginning so yeah we can't be sure about, like, we can't decide how the season was going right at the beginning. But currently, right after those nail-nail draws with Manchester United and who did we draw with? Uh, West Brom, yeah. So after those two games, I mean, things, okay, no, yeah, those, those two, two uh, those nail-nail draws were against Manchester United and Sevilla. So yeah, after that, that was the mount of our defense so we started building up the defense from that game and then we just went on the defensive part was fixed and then we got to the attacking part so Werner was starting to fire all the cylinders again and Ziyech came in so that helped a lot as well and like I said Conte at CDM and Werner on the left so that has worked its charm and we've been doing well I'm pretty optimistic right now and i think we're gonna finish quite high up on the table maybe even win it who knows let's hope so dude i i'm full belief that we're gonna win the league you know going in going into the season i was just like just like you skeptical wasn't expecting it but now full of belief and full of optimism um let's come to Corey next so how do you feel about coming into the season how do you feel now uh, yeah, so I think to follow up what Aro said, I think oh, I think most of all of us on the pod, um, we were all a little bit skeptical of how everything was going to gel. 2020 has been 
a weird time for everybody and for especially for football not having a preseason guys not going out there completely fit like he said obviously like Chilwell and then Pulisic and you know um, not Harvard sorry I was gonna say Harvard's but ZH like we were all just kind of playing around injuries has kind of hurt us a little bit no preseason to kind of build chemistry with the guys so going right into right into rip off into game one you know these guys have barely played with each other maybe a couple practice sessions but nothing you know game experience with the rest of the guys you know so going into this the season i felt confident that we were going to do better than what we did last year with the signings and how much money we spent we we can't afford to go any worse than where we were before but now what we've seen around us liverpool not doing well you know city not doing as well although they're starting to kind of bounce back a little bit but you know around us you look around arsenal still shit tottenham still shit um and I think we've lucked out, you know, obviously barring Havertz being out with, with COVID, you know, we've, we've done very well for all the players that we've, we played in position, you know, Werner playing on the left, you know, so I think I feel very, very good. You know, even when I'm working and we see that we win or, you know, two, nothing two one, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm much more happier and I'm much more relaxed that Lampard now has an idea or an identity that how he, he wants to play. And it makes me feel a little bit more comfortable. 100%. It seems like he's finally got his system down. He's got the players that he wants and the players that, you know, in positions that he wanted. And we've been phenomenal as of late. Don't get me wrong. I know the opposition hasn't been great. But you're finally starting to see, you know, everything clicking together. And like I said before, my optimism is sky high. Do you think we're going to win the league, or? or are you just yeah, we're going to win the league. league. Yeah, we're going to oh, win. Yeah, that's what I love. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. Mav, beginning the season to now. Assess it. Well, uh, really interesting. I'm going to start it off with how I feel right now. Simeone gift when we play. Mbappe gift <laughs> for the opponents when we play. Um, yeah, well, at the beginning, I told you in the pod, we my prediction was we were going to win the league. Um, I didn't care about Liverpool and City. I didn't think that we would... Uh, I thought that we would be able to beat them. Uh, I still do. Um, but there was a, obviously the first couple of games didn't really play well. I expected it to be better, quicker, like, but then that's a bit reactionary. Um, right now, I'm, I haven't felt this way since 2010, where I'm literally itching every week to watch the game. Even now, I, I can't wait for the next game. And it's because of the players we've got, the way we're playing, and every single game is now exciting. And it's nice to have that back because it hadn't been like that for quite a long time. Um, especially if I think about last season uh, when... Pulisic got injured and I remember saying this is going to be really hard to watch when he's not playing and it was especially in December to January February the games were really hard to watch and the season before they're even harder and then we had Hazard um, whereas now yeah at the moment I'm on riding the wave of excitement and cloud nine because I am so delighted with everything and yes we are going to win the league. How's bells, how's bells, I love it. Mike and Mike. Come oh man uh, yeah there was some there was some hesitation I think on on my end, especially at the beginning of the season, um, but it, it's it's dissipated and one hundred percent we're winning the league. Um, there's no doubt in my mind. Um, I would say that I think where I was a little concerned and 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 I'll be I'll be one of the 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 first to say I I was concerned with um, Conte's form uh, in in a few of those games early on in the season. Um, Oh, but yeah, yeah, okay. yeah no, I, I think you look at all the signings that we've had that, that have come on this year, 
there's not one bad signing. There's not one guy that you can go, oh man, I wish we could we, we could we could have a do over on that one. Everybody has played phenomenal. Um, from Mindy to Silva to Havertz to Ziesh to Werner, uh, Chilwell, like yeah, they we've we've come in and we've we're starting to really flex our muscles now. Um, we haven't lost since Liverpool, and yeah, there's draws and things like that. I mean, fair enough. Uh, yeah, I guess what you know, we lost to 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 uh, Tottenham. Um, on the penalties, but yeah, man, I'm they're They're in for a real treat tomorrow. Tottenham, we're going to get into that, but yeah, tomorrow's game is so big. Like it's, it's so massive. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm, uh... Sorry. It's not carry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, well, Matt, Matt, analyze this game. Use your, use that brain of yours. Analyze, so analyzing the season to date. How you felt going into it? I know you were the one who kind of told us to calm down and say it's going to take a while. But now that you've seen it, are you confident we can win the league, or is it still too early? Uh, I think it's. I'm I'm confident, but I also do think it's a bit early. I am worried. I'm very worried about tomorrow's game. I think a lot of people were sleeping on Tottenham. Everyone's been talking on the timeline. Oh. It's going to be a typical Lampard masterclass, Tottenham bottle it again. But this is this. It's a different. It's a different kettle fish. When I look, when I watched Tottenham, it was the Man City match. It it gave me shivers of oh four oh five Chelsea. They just looked very Mourinho like, and they look like they're very suited to Mourinho's system, which worries me a little bit for tomorrow's match. I think. Honestly, tomorrow could be one of them title-deciding games. For either team, this is going to be a big match. If one of them loses, it's going to be... It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt big time. I think especially for us, if we lose again twice in the season to Tottenham, I don't think we're ever going to let that down. Um, but in terms of the season, I think it's it's played out exactly how I thought it'd play out. And I'm just hoping that we can build on the momentum what we've already got at the moment and just go on a real re- winning run because the Christmas form has been the thing that's re- we've really struggled with over the last few years and I think it's not getting any better with COVID. Um, so we've just got to push it. And it's not even... It's like the Tottenham game. We've got Tottenham game now, but we've got Leeds after. Two big derbies for Chelsea right after one another with Sevilla in the middle. It's, it's going to take a lot out of our players and I just hope we can keep it together and rotate the way we should. No doubt. This season is going to be like like a season like no other. But to, to go back on what you said, you think tomorrow is going to be that big of a game in terms of importance for the league. So if we lose, we'll only be what? How many points will be behind Tottenham? One? Two? So potentially, you know, five, four points behind. Do you think that's that big at this point of the season? I just think they look that good that I don't think they're going to lose many games if they play like the way they are. I think the only thing that we got that could play back into our advantage is COVID because eventually I think their squad, compared to the 0405 squad that we have in terms of they play like that, but they haven't got the depth, unlike what we have now, which Mourinho did point out in his press conference. I think it's going to be one of them things. It's, it's such a big game so early on. I think we... I think Liverpool personally, I watched them. La- I watched them today, and 
didn't impress me whatsoever. They've yeah, had a lot of injuries, and it's it's similar to how City were last season. They had injuries to Laporte, they had a couple of other injuries, and it just they never looked comfortable. And I, I think Klopp's got a lot of work to do to try and keep Liverpool back on top. Yeah, no, going back and back is hard enough, and then with all the stuff that's going on, even harder. So any, feel free, anyone, to jump in here. So based on what Matt and I just discussed, how big of a game, let's get into it, how big of a game is this tomorrow? Absolutely huge. I would even, I even think it's bigger than the. Uh, sorry if I jumped in ahead of someone there. I didn't. Uh, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, so it's. I think it's bigger than the Battle of the Bridge, and uh, I would say it's huge because if we win this game, we're in first. We've got that one point or whatever points to clear will be. That confidence has always done us well. When we took, when we went on that run under Conte with all those games where we just kept winning, 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 the game against City, in my opinion, is what actually won us the league. And we, we could have lost, yet we could have after De Bruyne missed that chance. But we scored that goal, you know, William scored and Hazard scored Costa, you know, we got it. After that game, I was under no illusion that we, you know, I thought, you know, we've won. We're going to win this. Mm. And if we lose this game, which I think would be a catastrophe. If we lose this game, we are now five behind. We've got to build that momentum again. And, and I thought we, we've kind of already done that. We've built that momentum after some bad results. And uh, that's crazy me saying that we've just lost one game. But right. I mean, come on, we win this game. That's one big game won. And we haven't actually won a big game since City, by the way. Um, you know, it's important because the confidence growing from winning this game, you know, I think that the team is already, in my opinion, playing incredibly. I think they're playing so well at the moment, everyone in that 11. That is a good first 11. And uh, I think if we win this game, confidence is going to be even higher. I think we're going to take some stopping if we win this game. I disagree with what Matt said. That I don't think Tottenham are that good. I think they're going to lose a lot of games. I think, if anything, they've actually been quite lucky. I mean, they're very fortunate. Two of their wins, extremely fortunate. Were any of our wins fortunate? Because for me, they were not. We could have had a win against United. We could have beat United. We fell asleep against West Brom. The Liverpool game was because a crap defender got sent off. I think that really, you know, we really need to think. And and if we look in there, yeah, Tottenham have looked good in some games, but they don't have the squad. Is Hoybjerg better than our midfield? No. You know, they've got Harry Kane and Son. And Son doesn't deliver after December. Harry Kane's never won anything. I think they've got a long way to go before they can compete with a team like like us. And uh, I think we, we will win this game. But it could be, you know, it's going to be tough. But I, I think we're going to win. And sorry, I'm going to let someone else come in now. No, no, this is what it's about. Guys, this is open discussion, right? So anyone's supposed to jump in at any point, let's just fucking do it. So, Corey, Matt, Mike. I mean, not Mike. Oh, you've already spoke, but if you want to speak again, go ahead. Anyway, like so tomorrow's game for me, like like Matt Marv just said, it's it's massive. And Jose Mourinho is a master at these kind of games. However, I still am confident that we're gonna win this. Um, just based on like everything Marv just said, we've been phenomenal every single game. And besides those two little cock ups at the beginning with West Brom and Southampton. So Southampton they scored in the ninety fourth minute and we had Kepper in goal and we all know what happened in that game. And West Brom you know, we all know again, we went 3-0 down, all thanks to individual mistakes. So those two games aside, we'll be far and large away. What we'll be, what, two points ahead, if I'm not mistaken? My math is terrible, but probably be like one point ahead. We'll be top, regardless, with a game in hand. So, Corey, tomorrow, massive? What are you thinking? Oh, yeah, it's massive. I mean, any game, um, 
any game against Tottenham, it's always massive. Um, I remember Battle of the Bridge. Um, I remember that game vividly well, sitting on my couch watching that. Just everyone, just tackles flying in, yellow cards. I believe that was the uh, the Musa Dembele uh, eye poke on Diego Costa. The yep. I I just remember the William the William uh, Danny Rose scuffle. Um, and I'm pretty sure after the game ended, Danny Rose ended up pushing one of like the one of our sideline guys yeah. down and, and turned yeah. into a huge fight. So, and of course, you know this game it's 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 built up because of Mourinho and Lamps past, um, you know, with them being you know coach and player and you know how you know how Mourinho is. We all know how he is. He's he likes to play mind games, you know, especially on on the side and and, and in press conferences. He likes to wind you up. He wants you to overthink and go over emotional so that he has a tactical advantage against you. And I think in a game like this, Lamps has to stay cool, calm, collected, make sure he he's got his game plan, especially how he wants to play against the Mourinho team. You know, they're going to want to sit back and defend as much as, you know, they have like Marv said, Kane, son, you know, they're going to still defend. You know, he's going to want all the guys sit back and let and absorb that pressure to go on a counterattack. And for us, I think we need to come out the gates and we need to score early. We need to score early and score fast to open that game, get it nice and wide, get it open, and, and, and just let the players play how they want to play. 100%. I agree with the early goal point. I agree with that. Yeah. Really I, I, just think, I, I just think, and especially for this game, I think as, as important as it is, I think Havertz needs to start. I know that he's been gone for two weeks, uh, and if he's fit, he's got to play because – I, he's he's just so good. If if this game gets open, or if it does get condensed and and the and it is you know defending, he's going to be the one to, to open those plays up. Especially with him and Ziyech, they're going to open up spots. Passes are going to start eventually coming through. And Werner and if Tammy stays up front, you know they need to start just making dummy runs, just dummy runs to open up space for the rest of the guys. It, it just this game is it's very important, especially like Marv said, it's. One of those games that when you go into it, it's a title contending game. Like if we beat Tottenham, it makes us serious contenders being like, oh, these guys are legit. We're serious. Right. You, know, you know what I'm saying? So for a game like this, Frank needs to motivate those players. And the players should already be motivated enough as it is. It's Chelsea versus Tottenham, especially Mount, Tammy, you know, Fakayo, those guys who've been there. They need to get in those guys like Werner and Hobbert's head and be like, this is a serious game. Let's be real and let's go. Let's go whip some ass. That's basically what you know they have to do. I love that energy. Arrow, Mike, come in. I agree with Corey here about the early goal. So we would require the early goal as well as on the fact that uh, we need to get our attacks going, bombing down the flanks at the beginning so that we ha- we can get all the players in the attack in the beginning and not mess up like we do. Because that start against uh, Sheffield, where we conceded early. I mean, there were dangerous signs there, but we gathered our wits and got about it. And about Havertz, yeah. I think we need to start Havertz in place of uh, Kovacic, besides Mount. Because even though Kovacic is a really good player and I admire him, but for attack, for the attack, I don't think he is really the right fit to play alongside Mount on the current formation because he's great at progressing the ball from the defense to the attack, but after he gets into the attacking positions 
I think he feels a bit lost because he didn't provide much of an attacking threat gold-wise, and neither does he create much in case of assists. So I think Havertz would really uh, use the start so that we can open up the Tottenham defense. And because this team cuts back a lot. Because we've seen Tammy Abraham, uh, Tammy perform as a target man. And as a target man, he likes to lay off the ball for the midfielders or the white man who comes in. So we've seen Kovacic made a few chances where he's been laid off. So I think Havertz could use those chances better than Kovacic is currently using it. So in your mind, do you think Havertz starts tomorrow ahead of Kovacic based on just trying to get more attacking and kind of go front foot as opposed to being a bit more balanced? If that's, if that's what I'm thinking? Is that your mindset for tomorrow? Era? Yeah. Gotcha. Pardon? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Kovacic is great, but in case of the attack, because he tries to be... Because this formation, the 4-3-3 that we play right now, it's like a division, a clear division of defense and attack. So at the center, we've got the two defenders, the center backs, and Kovacic and uh, Conte sitting right in front of him. So that's mm-hmm. the defensive part. And the attacking part is the three attackers that we have and the two midfielders that sit right in front of Conte. So those players can really promote to the attack instead of uh, just progressing the ball, which our white men do usually, because we have Chilwell and Ziyech, uh, as well as Reese James, bombing down the flanks. True, that makes sense. So, Mike, like, just this game tomorrow, is it dual and all? Like, or is it, you know, or do we have time to, to come back and, and win this thing, or do we have to win tomorrow? I know it's massive, but like, just yeah, want to no, get your opinions right, on tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a given. It's a massive game, uh, regardless of what the records are, you know. Um, but um, I'll, I'll be remiss if I if I if I didn't if I said if I didn't say. Should we somehow lose and, and let's let me be clear here, we're not losing this game tomorrow, but if something happens, we every massive injuries, things like that will. Um, we, we can still win. Um, because this, this Tottenham team is, is they're, they're a fraud. Uh, you don't lose to a team like Royal Antwerp. Um, I'm sorry. Like, I don't care. Um, you're not, you're, you're, you're not a class team. You're not a team that can compete for the title and lose to a team like that. I don't care. Um, that, that to me is, um, yeah, that, that to me tells me everything I need to know about, uh, about this particular squad. Uh, and to Matt's point, he's absolutely right. If something should happen, um, COVID re- COVID-wise, they they lose. Um, they're they're going to start dropping games uh, immensely. But um, yeah, no. To answer your question, we we definitely can come back because we have the talent, we have the firepower, we have the defensive capabilities uh, to shut teams out, to shut good teams out at that, um, and that's been proven. So I'm not I'm not worried at all. Um, if we manage to somehow lose, and I think we only lose if all of our guys succumb to, you know, injuries, that's the only way that we lose. Um, but I could see this game seriously being, you know, 65th minute, 70th minute, it's nil, nil. 
You bring on a super mm. sub and uh, Christian Pulisic, and the game just gets broken wide open uh, because of him. Um, I could totally see that happening. But um, if we want to start off with, uh, you know, with our front foot, um, yeah, let's let's completely put mash on the gas. Havertz has to start um, in in place of Kovacic, and we kind of just need to, you know, assess from there. Um, because I think if if there's something that's going on and our midfield's getting overrun, maybe maybe Kova comes in at that point um, to sort of uh, you know be a little bit more of a press resistant midfielder for us and, and be able to d- distribute the ball uh, to get it up further up the pitch at that point. Okay, so like, everyone, does everyone feel that we're going to have have it starting ahead of Kovacic, or who who feels the opposite? Just feel free to chime in. Anyone? Yeah, I've uh, got. A, sorry, Matt, you can go. I I do think he's going to start Kovacic over Havertz just because of how Lampard likes to do it with the meritocracy, and I think Kovacic will be very good to combat Spurs' midfield with Hoiberg, especially. I just mm. see the problem with Havertz. I see a couple of times he loses the ball in just silly areas. And I find. Where this game is gonna lose, we're gonna lose this game is in the midfield. But I think Kovacic, he's a very good, he's very underrated with his tackling. Uh, I can um, when he's on with his tackling, he's very good. And I think battling with Hoiberg and if Hoiberg gets the ball, I, I feel Kovacic can get the ball back and then win, go in them transitions and work them out. And I think it just it just might suit us better than having Havertz. I think Havertz coming on if we need him could be. He could make a better impact. I see that too. Like I just, just going to start just to be a bit more balanced, and then have us and put a stick on the bench if if we have to chase the game. That's what I, you want to say. I think he will start with cover as well because that eleven has been really, really great in in those games. I mean, <clears throat> the small changes. Obviously, we didn't play that well at Ren, but we had changes. Uh, I think with the full, you know, uh, and again, I'm coming back to it. Uh, I, I like Georgie as a player, but it, it's not going to work. And uh, playing him there and Kovacic together didn't work. And I think one of the issues with Kova is he doesn't have that recovery pace that Havertz actually does have. Um, I think that's one thing we see with Havertz that actually is work. I think off the ball has been quite good in the first games. I think in a big game, that is actually really of paramount importance. Because when you close out those spaces, you're not going to allow for quick transitions into counter-attacking football, um, which is all Tottenham are going to be able to play. So, you know, as long as we defend like we did even in the United-Sevilla games, and that would probably include having Kai Havertz instead of Kovacic, I think we can close it out that way. But again, I think like what you said, Kamal, I think they're going to start on that too. I think that we will start Kovacic and bring Havertz and Pulisic on around about 60 to 70 minutes in this game. And I think that might be a nice tactical option we have to obviously, because Havertz gets goals too, doesn't he? And Pulisic can do the one-on-one. So if we are struggling to unlock the defense, I think if everyone is fit, I don't see how we are not going to win this. We've got so many solutions and possibilities. Yeah, I mean, the options are fucking endless, man. I mean, this is, we haven't had this depth or this kind of attacking, attacking options in, in, in God knows how long. Since, since I think you said earlier, since 10, 2010? Like, when was the last time? Yeah, I mean, 2010, we had a lovely bench of players. Um, I mean, you know, even then, we could still whip, whip in, like, Kalou. Uh, before the injury, we had Essien, didn't we? And then we could switch to Mikel or Essien. We had Deco still there playing. Um, so, yeah, we did have that. I mean, we had a Nelka or a Drogba if we wanted to play with one attacker. 
and, and that kind of stuff is key. You've got to have players on the bench. With injuries, our bench starts to look very bad right now, but obviously you bring Havertz and Pulisic in. That's two, in my opinion, quite possibly, two world-class players you can bring on. Not many teams have this. Uh, and I think, like, you know, if we look into kind of our squad, our 11, it's, it's superior to Tottenham. When Mourinho was trying to put pressure on us the other day, saying that, you know, you can play the most expensive keeper or whatever like that, our, our squad actually is better. He's right. So we should get this done. Agreed, agreed. Yeah, tomorrow, tomorrow, man. I'm just so optimistic. I mean, Tottenham just, we always turn out to be Tottenham. And I know in recent times with other managers have kind of flopped. But Tottenham historically, in my 30 years of watching Chelsea, we've, we've always dominated them. Corey, what are you thinking? Yeah, I think, I, I think we, we've, been, we've been good against these guys. I mean, I think we're, we're one of those teams that have their number. And I think, for me, I know I, I probably do imagine that COVID does start to. I mean, I'm hoping for Havertz, but the COVID, it, it's worked. And he, he is one. He's a brilliant player. And I, 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 still, I still think back to when we signed him. And I, I still think back to all the people who didn't approve of the deal. And it, it's, it's worked out well for us. I think, I think, like Marv said, we have this prowess of players there we shouldn't lose these guys unless it's bonehead decisions and mistakes all over the pitch we have too many guys that are too good to drop points especially these guys you know so i'm feeling really confident for this game honestly when i was talking about earlier and i was going off i i was getting myself more and more confident feeling for this game no doubt matt arrow mike Anything else? Yeah, even though I said Havertz is going to start, like I, I want Havertz to start. I doubt he's going to start anyway because Lampard was uh, has quoted in the press conference that he did start Havertz to check his match fitness uh, against Ren. So mm-hmm. there's a huge doubt that Havertz is going to start from the beginning anyway. So yeah, uh, even although I think we're going to win, I am pretty confident that we're going to win tomorrow. I don't. I mean, like Corey said, if we do not have to suffer those individual errors like we have been doing since the time we have been losing, uh, I think we're going to do well. Because Tottenham's tactics against Man City was sit back, absorb pressure, and then hit them on the counter. And the problem with City was that they played three at the back. And Harry Kane was occupying that space as a number 10 instead of a number 9 in between. So that was a huge problem for Man City because they didn't have a proper DM. We have Conte who can handle who can handle Kane well enough in the number 10 role. So we have that going in our favor as well as I think our attack right now is more potent than Man City's. So absorbing pressure from our team, from our attack, for 90 minutes without conceding is going to be a pretty tough ask for Tottenham. That's a fair point. And Mike, so do you think do you think Kovacic is going to start? Do you think Havertz is going to start? Do you think we're going to be more attacking, more balanced? Yeah, that's a. I mean, that's the that's the great question. And uh, honestly, I mean, this is something that I think you know Frank is you know banking on, right? I mean. I, I look at, I, I think it was the first meeting last season 
that they had where Frank, I think, lined up in a 3-4-3. And it completely threw Mourinho off, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was the first. Oh, you're right. The first, yeah. And even Mourinho, you know, sort of backhandedly gave him a comment that it was Antonio Conte's formation and things like that after the game. Uh, so this could be also that that card that he's, uh, you know, that Frank's willing to, to, to throw out there where, you know, Mourinho's game planning for, you know, COVID to start or whatever. And he's been game planning it for that or even for Havertz to start. And then, you know, Lampard basically pulls the rug out from underneath him with his, you know, with the way he, is, he wants to line up. So um, if, if, if I'm picking this team, I have to start Kai um, just because I want to, I want to jump on those guys. But I could also see the argument that says, Hey, Kova's been playing well. Um, and, 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 and thus he should be rewarded those minutes and let's bring Kai on, you know, slowly, but you know, and, and steadily um, because uh, we, we know what Kai can do. Um, and, but we also know what Kova can do. Um, so, there's some there's some advantages to starting the other one over you know one over the other, but if it's me and I'm picking this team, I think I think Kai has to start in my opinion. That's fair. That's fair. Cause I can see why you you think that just to kind of like you said be on the front foot, kind of go at them full throttle, you know, see if they can cope with it. But I also see the other side of things where it's kind of you know that they are they are a good team. Let's not let's not deny it. And Jose's kind of a master at tactical. You know, the tactical game of uh, t- tactical side of things, excuse me. So I can see why Lampard might be a little bit skeptical and kind of get go a bit more balanced. I think I, I'm just hoping he doesn't go and do something stupid like he did against Manchester United away and kind of just throw in a three four three out of nowhere and sit back and do nothing. I, I really don't think he will, but I'm I'm I am a little slightly nervous that he might do something like that. Uh, let's see. So like tomorrow's game, um, what's Score predictions. That's one thing I forgot to ask. So I'll start with Corey. What's your score prediction for tomorrow, my friend? Uh, um, I'm going to go 2-1. It's pretty basic scoreline, but it's just... They're going to... I have a feeling they're going to score. This game's going to be tight. I have a feeling this game's going to be tight. Either it's going to go 1-1 all the way till like, near the end, and we we get one of those... uh, A great equalizer... Or not equalizer, but a game winning goal to put us ahead I, I just i have a feeling this game it's going to be so cagey it's going to be so nervy right off from the kickoff it's going to be you know throwing punches back and forth I, who knows and marino and lamps on the sidelines there's going to be some fireworks there somewhere so uh two one for me <laughs> okay i'm off uh, I'm going to go for a KG 1-0 Chelsea win. I think it might be a penalty. I believe that Tottenham are going to sit back and try to drain the time. And I get the feeling we might be cautious as well. <clears throat> but I think we've got that creative ability that we're going to get that one goal. I think that uh, it's going to come from like a ball over the top that catches one of their defenders out. Foul on someone in the box, maybe Pulisic or on Werner or Havertz. And Timo Werner smashes it in. We get the 1-0 win. Um, other potential, I think that, I mean, if we're looking at the negative side, I think it could be nil-nil, but I'm going for one-nil Chelsea. Fair enough. So it's a cagey one-nil. Yeah. That's, that's the nerves. I'm, oh, my God. If it's going to be a cagey one-nil, I'm going to be so nervous. Arrow. Me too, man. Me too. I'm, I'm hoping for uh, a two-nil win for us, but I think it's going to turn out to be something like a three-two win for us. I mean, two-two oh two-two for like 85 minutes, and then we go on to score the winner. <laughs> if that happens, I'm going to celebrate. The look on Mourinho's face, then, that'll be pure gold. 
<laughs> it's true. It's true. Mike. Yeah, we're not conceding shit. Uh, three nil. Oh God, I fucking love this guy, man. Like, I wish, I wish Dude. I could be like you in every facet of life. Pure optimism all the time. Like, yeah, three nil. We're doing this. We're doing that. It's gonna. Oh happen. yeah, yeah. Love. I mean, come on. Like, I mean, seriously though. And and I, I really have tried to analyze this game. Outside of Son and and Kane, who do they have? And and let's let's also be one hundred percent, you know, introspective here with the the goal that they got came from Lamella against us. The last meeting that we've had with them, sure. this is yeah, they're garbage without those two players. And don't get me wrong; those two players are fantastic players. Um, would would love to would love to have either one of those guys on my team. And uh, winners. Yeah. Yeah. I like both those dudes. Uh to, to to be perfectly fair here. But outside of that, they ain't got shit. And and that's that's the that's the thing that's gonna that's gonna come back to bite them in the ass is they're gonna be looking at those two guys and one of them is locked up with Kane or with Conte and the other one's gonna be locked up with Silva and Zuma's gonna be doing his thing. Good luck. Good luck finding a goal somewhere. And yeah. And Mindy's out there just, I mean, yeah, it, good luck. I don't know where those goals come from or come for uh, with those guys unless we have a massive meltdown. It's a big game for Chilwell. It's a big game for Chilwell and uh, James in this. Uh, this will be a good, a big game to see where those two are at because, in my opinion, they've both been absolutely incredible in the other games. This will be a big test for those two. I agree about that. It's going to be a huge test for them because. The last few games that we played uh, wasn't against top opposition, and we all know they're really good when they're on the attack. Uh, but defensively, they're still a bit suspect, especially Reese James, because we've seen that last season and a bit this season as well, because he fails a bit in defense. But they're both very potent, and it's going to be interesting to see what they're going to produce when they come up against. Uh, top wingers such as Kane and Son. I mean, Kane isn't a winger, but it's hanging from the wings. We know what you mean. You get me. <laughs> we, yeah. we know what you mean. Yeah, we know what you mean. It's because Mourinho uh, teams, Mourinho teams like to dart across the uh, wide side, play those fastballs in, and get the counters yeah. going. Yeah, those, those long one balls in. Yeah, exactly, and those one-on-ones for those two are going to be quite interesting. So I, I have full faith in them. I think Reese. I mean, since the turn, since that mistake he made against Mane, he's been absolutely incredible. His one-on-ones have been better. His tackles have been on point. Um, I, I mean, having the defensive uh, record we've had in the recent games, I think. Yeah, but since played. Liverpool, who have we played against that could provide a test to against Reese James in attack? Well, I, I mean, lost. We we. Uh-huh. Lost. We lost 3-0 to Sheffield United last season, and we, we drew 2-2, so that's a combined five goals we've Sheffield set. Sheffield United have a combined one point from all their games till now, this season. Forget okay, about last we, season. We didn't, we didn't concede against Sevilla. They won the Europa League. We won the Europa League last season. I mean, the season we prior great. to this. So, we didn't concede any goals in that game. We didn't concede to Man United. Uh, you know, we didn't attack well at United, but then we didn't have all the players playing at that point, did we? So, if we're really analysing the opposition not being good, I mean, we still have the most goals. I mean, Liverpool Liverpool didn't beat Brighton today. That's a good point, too. That's a solid point. But I think we remember last time we played Tottenham, Aspilicueta had Reguilón on his back pocket and kind of, like, bodied him. So, just think what Reese is going to do. 
And also, that wasn't even our full full team we played uh, against Tottenham in the Cup. And, and, exactly, and also remember that Lamella was being marked by Emerson Palmieri. Exactly. My God. We cannot have... Oh, yeah. <laughs> any time Emerson plays, there's either a, a, an ops playing someone onside a goal and it's unfortunate, but he's not good enough for this club. Seriously, I just have horrible dreams about those uh, Emerson plays where Aubameyang get past him and then Lamella gets past him. Everyone gets past him. It's easy. Emerson. I don't know how Italy cope with him. I mean, I'm and not... On top sure. of that, Lamella's goal was a fluke as well. Yeah, always gets them, doesn't he, that little bitch? But it's, every time we have... I mean, you know it's bad when... I mean, I'm not a pro player. We're not pro players. But it's so easy to know how to beat Emerson. You just run it on the inside and you've got space to shoot, to cross, to pass across the goal. And every time the same thing happens. That's true. Matt, score prediction. I feel bad because I'm going to bring the mood oh, down no, a little bit. Oh, no, no, we're not losing tomorrow, mate. We're not. It's not we're, not, we're not losing, but we're I think, it, lose, I think it's going to be 1-1. 1-1 one, one. One, one draw. Draw, I think it, it's Come typical on, of the game. Come on, we won't take that. We cannot take I that. I wouldn't take that. I wouldn't take no. that. We, we not can't, against Mourinho. Because uh, Mourinho has become more of a cocky bastard after that League Cup win against us on penalties. <laughs> and I they're going to win that. And they're going to win that competition. Yeah, he's going to win something. Uh, but why do you think it's going to be one man? You just think it's just going to be just too cagey and we're going to cancel each other out? Yeah, I just think it's going to be one of them games. I think it still worries me that we haven't really performed against a big team yet. I think it, it's the Marie, it's it's the whole Abramovich's 1,000th game in charge with Chelsea, Lampard v Mourinho. It's just... It's it's destined to be some just a bit of underwhelming. I think the only thing that makes me happy is the fact that oh the Verald is going to be out, and then it, that means it's going to be Dyer Sanchez. They'll probably play it back three, so they'll both play, and it'll be a bit awful. But apart from that, I just I I just have you know you just have that feeling inside you that it's gonna be it's not gonna be what you expect. And every time I have that feeling, normally we don't get the result. All right, well, knock it out because tomorrow we've got Ziek and Werner and Tammy and Mount. And a re- let's get into Kante a bit. Like, this guy, I- I'm going to hold my hands up and say that we, sh- you know, you can slate me all you want. Or, you know, me and Marv have gotten into it a little bit. And, you know, I don't want to say into it, but we've had a discussion. And on Twitter, I kind of got blasted for it. And I'll hold my hands up. Kante, I thought, I'm not going to say he was finished. I didn't say that. I thought he was on his last legs kind of thing, like he was regressing and if we got like a hundred million pound bid in, I would have been like, all right, you got to think about it and you got to take it. But my God, he has refound himself. I don't know if we've managed him the right way finally and he's just finally fully fit, but playing as a lone DM, Jesus Christ, it looks unreal. What about you lot? How are you thinking about this new yeah, look? You also I don't think Kante is a box-to-box midfielder. Fantastic. You were wrong about like most people. Well, <laughs> it's a good point you raised there also, Kamal, about it, because uh, I know it's easy to jump and say you want to sell a player because he was injured the whole season. I mean, it's not a total thing on you, and, and you you see that he's really quick, and he can that will that run out the older he gets? I can see that the concerns, but players can play, and they can play to their peak up to 34. I th- and it, I don't know 
how many of you have actually been to the game? And I'm not saying you go to the games, you see more or whatever. But when I watched him play, I saw stuff I didn't see on TV. You know, you'd look to the right and, oh, fuck, he's won the ball. Oh, shit, he's won the ball. And I think that's just, he's incredible. And I think entertaining, selling at that time, our only world-class player for me is crazy. Absolutely crazy. It's, he's an unbelievable player. It's so good to see that form back. And yeah, of course, he is a box-to-box, as, as Arrow says. But, you know, when everyone is polluting the airwaves, telling us that, you know us fans we're going to see it like that too so but i think he's he's just unbelievable this player we, we cannot sell him i wouldn't sell him for the 18 million because even though i do want rice it's going to take a little bit of time for declan to become world class and for me Kante is already there well i wouldn't sell him i wouldn't sell him no no looking back you know I wouldn't set him again either. I, I know i'm flip-flopping but that's the point of being a fan isn't it it's like you, you, you change opinions i'm not claiming to be you know, know it all, but everyone else, how do you think about Angola Conte? I, th- I think for, for me, I think when he, fi- he, he, when you come up with a plan and, and for like, I've mentioned before, when you find it, Lamps finds an identity. It, it, we all said beginning of the season, two number eights holding DM. It was going to be Kante who sits back and, and he's going to, he's going to sit, hold that midfield spot. And I think, we we weren't sure where Mount was going to play. We weren't sure where Havertz was going to play. We weren't sure the formation when we started playing. And then we we sat into that spot, and he was going to be holding. He was going to be holding. And I think once he got more comfortable, and he found the and Lamps was like officially like Havertz, Mount, number eights. They started playing together, and I think he finally got the confidence to be like, I can feel free to roam back there, break up the plays, and then I can at least get those balls out to Havertz and Mount to open the lines up to everybody else. I think once they found the confidence and he can regain confidence himself, I think now we're seeing the best version of him that we've seen, you know, previous with Matic pairing and uh, you just, you know, the years before where we were winning titles with him just being that absolute ball winner. Every time they oh. came down the field, it was, he was tackling, he was getting a ball. And like just Marv said, every time it's, oh shit, he's got a tackle there, tackle there, balls back up to the other side of the pitch. Some that stuff is goes just underrated by everybody else who just thinks that because he's not Declan Rice and he doesn't ping 70-yard balls to to everybody else, it doesn't mean that Kante doesn't do the dirty work that most midfielders don't do. Yeah, I know. And every every title-winning side needs needs a, a destroyer in the midfield, right? Yep. So, yeah. Um, I'm Mike, I'm coming to you next. Oh, go ahead. Go on. Yeah, I think was. people started berating Kante uh, since he started playing where, as the number eight. For Maurizio Sarri, and then Lampard soon followed the season after playing him as uh, as a number eight again, with Jorginho playing as a lone DM. So, I mean, as a lo- as a number eight, he was good. In some flashes, he was good, but they were only flashes. Those goals against Liverpool and those runs he makes, you can only see them uh, in bits in a few matches here and there. He wasn't quite consistent, but as a DM, he's quite consistent always. Because even before Sari came in, he was always played as a DM. He, he had managed alongside him, but he was still a DM. So he was always quick to get the balls, to collect the balls, any straight passes, to intercept, to go on and charge the, the attackers from the opposition team and get the ball, retrieve the ball from them and just lay it off for someone else. So this is what he does best. He's not, it's not 
pretty fair to ask him to go on an attack. I mean, he can do it, but he's not the best at it. It's right. great to ask what a player does best. It's like asking Hazard to track back. I mean, yeah, you could ask him to do that, but he wasn't pretty good at it, was he? Sure, yeah, no, we all know. We all know how that went. The Atletico Madrid. Yeah, exactly. Mike, I'll come to you. No, no, go ahead, Matt. I mean, Mark, sorry, you wanted to. I was just saying the the question about um, that. I mean, I don't mind that. I think Arrow's totally right. He's not that much of a uh, kind of attacker if his positional sense is that far up. He needs to be able to roam from box to box. But one thing people really annoyed me say he had no technical. He does have technical. Mm. Uh, one thing, his, his close ball control is actually really good. Uh, the fact he can dri- and he can dribble out of tight spaces quite well. And he's so good at carrying the ball from deep. You ever see sometimes he goes on those runs and he's really quick. And I just think we got so used to what he does so perfectly well, recovering the ball, that whenever we conceded goals, it automatically became, oh, well, why, why have we conceded goals? What's Kante doing wrong? I think it's that kind of thing. Uh, and yeah, learning new positions, stuff like that. But we've got to see, like, this guy, he's been with us how long now? Three years? He's already won a couple of handful of trophies. And he's been instrumental in that. Instrumental. No, you're spot on. You are spot on. I think the reason I only kind of considered it is last season. I thought, you know, I kind of thought he was regressing. I kind of thought that, you know, his injuries might be catching up. But, you know, he's proved me wrong. And finally, I'll come into Mike. Jesus Christ, too many M's in this group, man. Mike, coming to you next, because I know you were in the same kind of wavelength as me, and yeah. you kind of were scared a little bit. You were like, all right, it might be time to move on. But how, how do you feel about him now? Oh, he's fantastic. And I think in hindsight, looking at it, I, I think he's a victim of his own greatness um, when we look at this, well, at least from my perspective here. Uh, because I, the, I think the real question came up to me when that the, the Sevilla game. Um, to me, that was like, man, and, and, and to be fair, there wasn't a whole lot of bright spots in that game to begin with. And I think um, he's been one of the, the more, you know, one of the, the better bright spots and one of the more constants on our in our squad when he's healthy is that we can always count on this guy to be our shield, um, specifically on the uh, the defensive side. But at the same time, he's he's a guy that, you know, He's been dubbed our only world-class player for, you know, for how many seasons now? And he's, and rightfully so. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to be wrong about him and happy that my reservations have, have subsided because he's been playing fantastic. And I, I forget who said it, um, but, uh, you know, he is the definition of like a seek and destroy uh, midfielder. It's, you know, you, you could just, you know that it's, it's the ball. He's going to win the ball, and it's going to be advanced back up on on the attacking side for us. So, uh, I've yeah, I'm I'm glad that I'm wrong, um, and I'm glad that yeah, we're not we're not in, we're not entertaining any thoughts about selling him. And if we and if it, if that does come to to fruition, um, I think we get a king's ransom for him. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, like I always said, the only time I'd ever entertain it is if it feels hundred million plus. But, but yeah, no, even even so, I still wouldn't need. Consider it even at this point. It's just it's just too vital for us. Uh, so Matt, I'm not sure if you ca- caught the original question. My my question was about Golo Kante, and he's kind of rejuvenated himself. Kind of, is it just he was played out of position? Is he just fully fit? You know, how do you think about Angolo so far? Um, well, I think he's playing very well. I think he was always one of them players you 
didn't know where he was going to fit in for this new formation because he's always played in a two, whether it was next to Drinkwater, next to Matic, next to Fabregas, Bakayoko. Um, and he's, he's ne- he never really played that lone DM. So it was, a lot, it was a lot of apprehension. I can understand the apprehension from people. But I think you just had to look at his qualities that he possesses and think, right, he can fit into that role. He just needs to nurture and needs to play it and needs time. And I think I said, what was it, a couple weeks ago, a month ago, there was one piece of the jigsaw that we needed to fix, which was defensive midfielder. A lot of people were going, oh, yes, Rice, get Zakaria, whoever. Yes, I would like Rice, but I was looking and thinking, can Kante do that role? If Kante sure. can't, then yes, get Rice. If Kante can do it, which it's shown we can, I no longer see why we need a defensive midfielder, especially if Billy Gilmore or Ampadu can, can produce the goods and be a good backup to Kante. I think there's other priorities in the squad that we could use and not spend $80 million on Declan Rice. I mean, that's the reason I wanted Declan Rice uh, as a centre-back solution rather than a DM solution because we already have Kante who can play pretty well as a DM and Ampadu coming up who can slot in, in place of Kante when he's rested at times. Yeah, but I think there's better options out there at centre-back that we can get than Rice. Yeah. And it's at not a cheaper happening. price. That's not happening, that, that centre-back thing. Um, I mean, if you looked at the recent quotes attributed to, to Rice, he said that he's getting confident in midfield now, carrying the ball out a bit more. And he also said, oh, I can play centre-half. But, uh, you know, it, it's not his position. And I don't think even... And I, I get why the rumours come out, but I didn't really get why. When a player is excelling in one position, why are you going to then drop him into another one? It just doesn't make sense to me. I don't, I don't know what you guys think about that. I mean, that was towards the end of last season when he was being deployed as a centre-back by West Ham. And, and, yeah. he was doing quite well. and we were in need of a centre-back back then. Yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, I'm just looking at if the club kind of invest I don't think they'll pay 80 million but if they they invest high amounts of money 50 to 60 whatever million they pay for him I don't think he himself is is going to say yeah okay I'll I'll be your permanent center back I think that you know he's going to want to play in in that defensive midfield role and he's going to want to grow as a midfielder and when it's that much money I think if the club are going to pay that I think it's cuz they see him as a dm I don't think they do see him as a center back but I think they see it as a possibility that he can also play there for you know reasons of being more flexible in the team. What, what do you guys think? Yeah, it does seem I... that he's quite keen on playing, continuing as a midfielder rather than a centre back. And me wanting him as a, as a centre back was last season, and this season I don't think we quite require the services of Declan Rice. Yeah, I think it's just more long term outlook. Personally, it's like get him in have him learn from Conte and even potentially at times play alongside him. And he's got the leadership skills. He knows half the team. He wants to be here. That's the thing. And Lampard wants him. It's so obvious, right? Lampard wants him. Everyone said it. Fabrizio Romano, so on and so forth. Matt Law, all the athletic guys. They've all said that Declan Rice is our number one target moving forward. And Rice would love to come back. But he's not going to cause up a fuss with West Ham. That's a different story. But, But yeah, to answer your question, I think it's going to be more DM. Um, potentially long-term centre-back, you know, 
But then we do have a plethora of centre-backs. We're going to have to get rid of some. Two. We're going to have to get rid of two because we've got five right now. So I know Thiago Silva's not going to be here long. What's to do with Tomori? Rudiger Christensen? You know, there's, there's a lot of questions to be asked. Definitely a problem. I don't know if anyone else is uh, coming in there, but it is a problem they struggle to shift some of those uh, defenders. I mean, but do we upset the apple cart too much when we're doing so well now with the clean sheets? I think Thiago has to stay, of course. Um, obviously, Zuma's the first choice, so he has to stay. Then we've got a couple others on the fringe, Ampadu to come back. I mean, I wouldn't like to be the one making those decisions, apart from, obviously, Sel <laughs> Christensen, but I wouldn't want to be making all the other <laughs> No, you're 100% right. Christian said needs to go. Emerson needs to go. Alonso is there. There's a lot of players that need to still be sold. Yeah. I'm not sure if anyone wants to come in on that Declan Rice discussion. Hey, man, if he comes, he comes. And I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not against it. But at the same time, I think, to Matt's point, um, I think we should really explore what we, we currently have um, with some of those folks that are on loan right now and are coming back from injury. No, the big question is, do you like that dude? <laughs> I, I, I like that dude, but I love Billy Gilmore. So it, it becomes a it becomes a situation of Mindy versus Pope. I love Mindy. I like Pope. <laughs> Fair enough. Pope had a stinker today, though. Unfortunately, it's not his fault, but Jesus, he's not having a season he had last year. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't play this. Uh, he didn't play this game. Um, so he had a head injury. Oh, snap. Okay, fair enough. I just saw the scoreline. I was like, all right. Either way, fuck Burnley. Hope they go down. Next question. All right, so I'm going to move on to new signings. Um, who's been the best and who's been the most surprising? So, for me, the best from the day he's been here, for me anyway, has been Ben Chilwell. He is completely... I have no question marks about left back, ever. Now, ever since he came in, I've just been like, all right, he's just solid. He's defense. We've all, I know we've discussed this at length on this podcast multiple times, all between us. And I think we all came to, kind of came to the consensus that if he came for the money that was right, we were all kind of on board with it. But if he was too much, we were kind of like, no. But for 50 million, he slotted in and he might be the best left back in the league. You know, you put him up there with Robertson, they're kind of up there together with me. And yeah, he's just been unreal. He's coming, goals, assists. He's just been fantastic. Um, but the most surprising, yeah, I mean, he could also be my most surprising. So uh, there, there you go. He's my best and most surprising. So, uh, Corey, who's your best and most surprising signing that we've made? Oof. Yeah, um, Ben Chilwell, I think, has been the best so far. Um, what he's done at a position that was so frail for us at the back, at left back, he's really solidified that spot. And I don't see someone like Alonzo and obviously don't see Emerson ever taking his spot barring injury. Um, he, he's so, he's so gifted. I know that we had a lot of questions, you know, obviously with the Lester thing, he, it just seemed like, I think at that point he was just mentally like done. He knew that the links with, with Chelsea and the papers that they were so strong. He was basically, I think he was just playing just to, just to play. And if he was making mistakes, it was just because he was, he was heading elsewhere and he already knew he was, he was leaving. Um, so I think he's been so far our best signing. Um, obviously, unless, you know, Havertz and Werner and ZX score like 20 goals and 20 assists, then obviously that would change. But um, and I think probably most surprising. Uh, I probably would say Chilwell again. I think 
it yeah. was surprising. It, it's hard because we knew what we were getting with the, those other three guys I mentioned with with Werner, with Ziyech, and with um and with Havertz. We knew what we were getting. We were getting guys that were were going to come in and they were going to and they were going to just team up and score goals. Havertz was going to do you know creative things, and then Ziyech was going to, I mean, assist. You know, he he's been a, a wizard, obviously. Barring obviously his nickname, but I think most surprising has been Schiller. I think to most people, I think they would be shocked that he's been playing as well as he has been. No doubt. I mean, I know. I think I already know what Mike's going to say, but I'm going to comment to Mike. Yeah, I think. Um, I okay. So most <laughs> surprising for me. Um, yeah, I, honestly, man, I, I would say it's probably. I, I I didn't really. I wasn't too shocked with the way that Joel has been playing. Uh, for me, it was. I think it was for me. It was. It was. It was Havertz. Just because there were so many things for me looking at him, going, man, you know, is is he going to be able to adapt to the Premier League style and be able to to, to slot right in and and be you know an everyday you know player, everyday starter for that matter. And so seeing him come in and play really well, um, and it's so early, that was, to me, was pretty surprising. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the obvious choice for me in terms of our best signing has been, uh, has been Mindy. Um, no question about it. The dude has just been on fire, makes crazy saves. Um, he, if they ever decide to you know, do another Black Panther movie, hopefully he gets a, he gets a look. Um, I've got this whole thing down um, in my mind here, and I'll, and I'll throw it out there for you guys. And, and this is a question that we can think about down the road. Um, but yeah, so far I've got obviously Christian Pulisic is going to be Captain America. You've got um, the Winter Soldier who's going to be Ben Chilwell. You've got you've got Black Panther and Edward Mendy. Like there's some we we have. A pretty solid Marvel's Marvel superheroes uh, cast here already. So, uh, but no, yeah, Edward Mendy for me is is the is the man is the best signing that we had. Um, but yeah, you can make an argument for any of these guys, and I don't think there's a wrong answer here. No, yeah, that's a good point. There isn't one. There isn't one. But I'd love to get everyone's takes. Uh, let's go to the next Mister Analysis. Come on, mate. What you got? Best signing, most surprising. Um. Best signing, I'd say. I'm gonna be different. I'm gonna say Ziek. I think Ziek's not put a foot wrong, and he's just been phenomenal every time he's played. I mean, I think Chilwell's a close second. It's just in recent mind, the Rens game shocked me a little bit, but I understand where it's coming from because he's played every game. But I think Ziek has been the only player really that's just been start apart from Mendy really. From start to finish, he's been absolutely phenomenal. Um, in terms of the most surprising player, I don't think I can pick anyone because I think I've not been. I think I expected this from every single signing. I don't think any signing has particularly surprised me. I predict. I uh-huh. think this is this is how I expect. Like people would say, "Oh, Silver, was he going to adapt?" I think I had a little bit of concern, but I thought Silver, that is that top class professional. I thought he could fit in anywhere. Um, Chilwell. I expect, I, like Arrow said, I think it was. Um, I think he was play. He, he the move was on his mind when his form dropped, and it was one time when Leicester just dropped in te- in general, especially with Ndidi getting injured. 
Um, so I wasn't really surprised at Chilwell. Mendy, I think, was I could probably say is the one I'm a little bit surprised with just because I didn't see him before. But at the same time, I had no expectation for Mendy. So it's kind of a hard one. If I could pick anyone, it'd probably be Mendy because I just had no expectation from before. Yeah, same here, to be honest. Like, I don't think... Like, everyone's lying if they said they've seen Mendy play. So there's fair shouts there. Um, Arrow, what about you, mate? Um, for the best signing, I have to go with my dream signing, which is Timo Werner. Because he has been phenomenal this season. Uh, even if you don't go with the numbers, I mean, if, even if you do, he, he still comes out good. But even if you don't, he is... A game changer. He is what you call uh, a blockbuster signing. So he changes games. Even when he's not playing well, those past two games, even when he was not playing well, he still got an assist and right. was responsible for that Giroud goal at the end, that winner. So, and off the ball, what he does, uh, not many people notice that. I mean, he's blistering on the ball. He goes through defenders with the ball and then lays it off for others and makes goals and scores goals. But what we don't see is him pulling off defenders away from the other attackers. So that's one of the reasons that we've been seeing Tammy Abraham excel so well alongside uh, Timo Werner. Because Timo Werner just attracts those defenders away from Tammy Abraham, leaving him with a lot of space. And... For the surprise signing, I'd have to go with uh, Edu Mendy. Because, yeah, like Matt said, I had no expectations from Edu Mendy, and neither did I ever see him play uh, for Ren, because I don't watch the French League. And I've just seen compilations, and compilations are not a good way to judge a player. So, yeah, the, he's my biggest surprise. And what a surprise package he turned out to be, because, wow, he has been phenomenal. And, like, uh, Mike said, Black Panther, uh, I mean, he has got the body of Pink Panther rather than Black Panther with those lanky arms <laughs> and legs. Wakanda forever. Rest in peace, All right, Marv, you're the last one up, my friend. Well, um, I didn't quite, uh, I kind of dozed off a little bit of waiting to see who uh, Arrow picked, but uh, I, I, think, I, I think he might have picked the same one as me, and that's why. Um, my signing so far, I had to think about it, and how nice it is that any one of the six could be the correct answer. How nice it is to finally start getting our actual targets and not buying bargain bin bullshit players. Um, yeah. My signing so far is Timo Werner, because of the Goal contributions, I believe he carried us in that first match against Brighton. Um, I love what he does. He brings a pace to the game. Um, I think his goal contribution has been like 12 in 11 or something ridiculous like that. Um, he, he is, I told you, and I said it in the first ever pod we did, or the second one we talked about summer targets, I said that I don't think that Tammy's the one that should be leading this line because he doesn't do all that other stuff, even though he's been freaking brilliant. And he's great with his work. Great. He's a good player. But now we've got someone like Werner who offers so much more even when he doesn't score, I think is key to our success. So he's my number one signing. And the surprise signing, I picked Ziyech. Not because I didn't think he was a good player. I definitely was pro when he came and I was really happy about it. But the fact he's playing like he's the best player in the world 
just shocked me to be on the court. I knew he would be a good player and I loved his left foot, but I did not expect him to create chances every single match and do what he did. Right. That game, I'm not sure it was Sheffield United, where what one Thiago Silva scored? Sheffield United, was it that one? The 4 1? Yes. Yes. Um, this was one of the best uh, individual performances I've seen since uh, the Conte season when Hazard Everton, I think it was, one 5 0. He was absolutely incredible. Every time he got the ball, he did something. And one game, he, he, he kind of dragged back and sent one player for a hot dog. Um, the cross, you know, whipped it in onto the head of Thiago Silva, whipped in that chance the other week for Tammy Abraham. It just every time he plays, magic happens. And for me, that's a surprise because I said uh, a few episodes ago, maybe many episodes ago, that any team that wins a league needed an attacking duo. One facilitator, one scorer. And I kept saying, it's Pulisic and Werner. Pulisic and Werner, they, they are the two. And then Ziyech comes in and makes me think we could have three or four. And I think he was absolutely incredible. So, yeah, I'm going for Werner and Ziyech. And, uh, yeah, that's what I'm going for. Fair enough, yeah. And, like, Ziyech has, I think every time he's played thus far, he's created at least, like, two or three clear-cut chances. It's just unreal. And... It just pings it to exactly where it needs to go. His vision is just ridiculous. Incredible. Uh, last question for, for us before we get into Twitter questions. Um, Mike kind of wanted to touch on the Jose Mourinho topic and kind of see how we felt about him as a man, how, you know, just his loyalty to Chelsea and how that's kind of gone. Uh, my personal opinion on Jose is, is kind of, I tweeted this the other day in response to somebody. He's kind of like that, your ex-wife that's given you three kids and you know you've raised you've raised them together and these kids have become elite but you've had a kind of messy divorce but you still keep stalking her pictures on instagram um that's how that's how i view jason Reno. i love the guy man i can never stop loving the guy. i've tried so much to hate him but i can't i physically not do it and when he said that thing in that all or nothing you know, he was like, betrayal is when you've been won three titles. Don't quote me on this, but he said something on the lines of you've won three titles and you get sacked twice. So, you know, that, that kind of hurt me because you know he loves Chelsea. He, he definitely loves Chelsea. There's no doubt about it. But I can't hate Jose. I'm not sure about you guys. I'll start with you, Moff. Your opinion on the Mr. Mourinho. It's so tough for me to, to answer this question because I used to watch YouTube videos of him. You said about the girlfriend thing. This is the one where you uh, break up and you uh, think that it wasn't the right thing. And then you years, you just want to get that one special woman back in your life. I watched all the documentaries about his management and stuff after his intern. I was like, I just want him back. Uh, the ghost, as it were. I was never satisfied with any manager apart from Goose uh, before he did come back. And, uh, but then, I mean, he was perfect for me. And the sacking, yeah, I didn't agree with it at the time. I was thoroughly behind him. I wanted to sell all 22 players of the squad before I sold him. And, uh, but when he left and, and when he joined Man United, I freaking hated him with a passion. Um, joining that club is enough to make me hate you. Um, I don't care that you went to Tottenham, even though they are rivals. For me, Man United are our rivals. We've got to win more trophies than them. They're the big club. We've got to beat Tottenham. Don't win shit all. They're just a, they're just like a, that, you know, that annoying dog that's just a puppy that just bites you every time they go go to play with you, and you're just like, please get off. <laughs> um, so I mean, I actually hate him a lot less now he's at Tottenham because um, I think he's just trying to do job, do his job, and I mean he hasn't said anything bad about us since he's been at Tottenham. Has anyone noticed that? 
But um, okay, yeah. did say bad stuff when we was at, he was at Man United, and I just hated that. I was so happy when Conte stuck it to him in the FA Cup final. That was a, such a sweet feeling. Oh my god, that night was great. Um, so have I forgiven him? Now I have. The time has passed, but I was angry of his Man United time, not his Tottenham time. But then again, he can win our hearts back if he just throws a game tomorrow. <laughs> sure. The thing with United, it was like I kind of felt like he did it out of spite too. You know, it was like, all right, I'm going to go to United. You kind of sat me twice. I need to still make money. Screw it. And let's not be honest. Let's, let's not forget, he kind of said it would be an honour to like man, manage Manchester United. I kind of remember him saying that just because of this, the stature of the club and he has a huge admiration for Sir Alex. So I, I can see why he did it. But that's a different conversation. Matt, what about you, man? Um... I used to love Mourinho so much. Like when he got sacked the second time, I was at a mate's house um, after college, and I honestly was a grown fourteen-year-old man crying in front of my <laughs> mates because we lost once again our greatest ever manager. And even when he went to United, even after all the things that he said. I still loved him. I still... He's he's just that great manager we had. But then going to Tottenham, that is the one thing that has really just tainted it. And now I respect the guy. He's a fantastic manager, phenomenal manager. And I think he is going to win something at Tottenham. People will keep saying, oh, it's the typical Tottenham bottler. But Mourinho gets teams going. And even with United, he got... United something. So whether United, whether Tottenham win just a Carabao Cup or they win a Europa League or something like that, that he Mourinho will get something with that club and Tottenham fans will take it no matter what they get. Um, but I think in terms of tomorrow's game, as much as I respect the man, as someone said on Twitter, no mercy. We've got to go in for the kill. Fair points. I mean... Tottenham, yeah, that, that, that did kind of hurt. I know, I know, like Marv said, United are the real rivals, but growing up in southwest London, Tottenham are always the team I hate the most. And I'm not sure why, because they're irrelevant, but for some reason, I just hate them more. Um, let's go to who hasn't spoken, Corey. Yeah, no, um, he he is our greatest ever manager. The the I remember, I vaguely remember the first round. Um, being that I was like a little kid and then the second time around, I have, was never like ha- ever happier than I ever been when we found, I found out he was coming back and, um, watching him, you know, win and then that tumultuous big fat L he took that following year and getting sacked. Um, I was upset cause I knew he deserved better i mean he was not backed in that window at all and i think everyone can on this podcast would agree that um he was not backed that window i think that was the year we got like michael hector and just terrible signings and i feel like if he was backed and got the players he wanted situation might have been different but it isn't it wasn't he left i was upset probably didn't cry like matt did um, but, um, I was upset when he joined United and I was a little upset when he joined Tottenham, but 
I still respect him as a person and as a manager, and he still possesses you know great managerial qualities. I can see why Tottenham would want him. Um, I can see why he would want to go to Tottenham. He's got you know he can build something there with no pressure to immediately win anything. He can do it mm-hmm. how he so pleases. Um, and like like Mar said, he hasn't said a bad word about us yet, at least. Um, and as long as he keeps losing to us, um, then that's fine. But um, all day, he will, still has my respect for what he's done and won at Chelsea. Um, but other than that, when we face Tottenham, I hope he loses. Yeah, no doubt. Of course, we, no, no one's going to hope that he gets one over us. Um, but yeah, I know, I know what you mean, man. It's like, I think that documentary made me love him more. I don't know yeah. if that makes sense. Like, I kind of, kind of hated him. I don't want to say hate, but I was kind of just like, eh, Jose, you know, I love him. But that documentary was like, all right, I, I love this guy even much more now. Yeah. Ira, I'm going to come to you. I don't think I spoke to you yet. Yeah. Jose Mourinho. I mean, I grew up watching him, like idolizing him. He was a football god to me in terms of management. So that's when I first started watching football, watching Chelsea club. I mean, that's when I first started watching club football. Because my first football was in 2002 during the World Cup. So yeah, first football experience, first club, it was Jose Mourinho. And I absolutely love it. Jose Mourinho was something of uh, of a phenomenal figure to me. He symbolized everything that I wanted to be. That winning attitude, that winning mentality, that team spirit. I wanted to instill all of that in me and around me. So he had that charisma. He had the attitude. That first Jose Mourinho that came into Chelsea, that was something else. I mean, I really yeah. could not... I could not figure out wh- how we could uh, replace Jose Mourinho with Avram fucking Grant. I mean, how how could we just fall <laughs> from our standards? Uh, I, mean, me I was so baffled. I was absolutely baffled. So I was crying out for Mourinho. The only time I was happy with our manager was with Carlo Ancelotti. Because I really loved Ancelotti when he was here. And even when he was sacked, I was pretty upset. But post Carlo Ancelotti, uh, I just wanted one person, and it was Jose Mourinho. I just wanted Mourinho back. I looked on with Envy at Inter when they won mm-hmm. against us and then went on to win the Champions League. I yep. thought he'd come back after Inter, but then he went to Real Madrid. I knew that he would not be the perfect fit for Real Madrid. So, yeah, that was a great thing for us. And then he came to us. That was a great start. Uh, so it all started again. Childhood memories, 10 years on. It felt great. Back to being that Mourinho team. And in the second season, he did win it for us again. The Premier League. And then things all went to shit. With all the players messing about. And yeah, I could see, I could understand why he had to go. I didn't want him to go. But I could still understand why he had to go for us to progress as a team. But yeah, when he joined Manchester United, I was pretty damn pissed because I had been hating Manchester United since I was a kid because they had been our primary rivals since the past two decades. Since we started winning properly in the Premier League titles, 
who had been competing with us, it was always Manchester uh, United. And right. later on, City came in. But it was always United. I absolutely hate each and every Manchester United player and manager. So I just started hating Ma Mourinho from then on. Like, absolutely hating him. And then he started attacking us verbally on press in press conferences. So, yeah, my rage grew and grew, and I was absolutely hating it. But the thing is, with time, things changed. Right. Jose always wins the league in his second season. At Manchester United, he failed to do so. And that's when it all changed for me. I was like, ooh, dude, thanks. You just made Manchester <laughs> United look even more foolish than they already were. Because the problem has to be with Manchester United then. Because Mourinho always wins with the second season. But not with Manchester United. Because they lost. They second, was, second place was the most they could get. And uh, a Europa League as a consolation. Which doesn't matter anyway. So yeah, everything was forgotten. It was all jolly again. But then he joined Spurs. And yeah, the rage started growing again. Most probably because of those quotes he said. That he'd never join uh, for respect yeah. for us. I yeah, for respect that. for yeah. us. Yeah. But then he went on and said that they sacked us. But it was not the fans who sacked him. So he must have lost the respect for the fans. And that hurt. I mean, yeah, I did watch the documentary, of course. Who wouldn't? He's just an entertaining character. But yeah, I, that love is lost. I mean, I still respect him. I just can't help respecting him. Because he did a lot for us. That team that went on to win the Champions League and lots of Premier Leagues, he built that team. We can't deny yeah. it. He, did, he built the roots of that team. He brought in uh, Jogba, Czech, Robin, and Essien, Carvalho. Mm, let's, I mean, it's going to take a long time if I were to name every single player that he brought in. But yeah, you, you get the gist of it. So, I do respect him. I do kind of like him, but I also kind of hate him right now because he's at Spurs. And all I want to see him is lose because I absolutely do not want to see Spurs win anything at all. So, no, no, no. bad luck to you, Mourinho. <laughs> I hope you <laughs> lose. I hope you fail. Yeah, no, I, feel, I, I, I completely share the sentiment and I see exactly what you mean. You know, I'd be happy with him finishing second and everything for the rest of his career, I suppose. Um, but, you know, still building something, if that makes sense. Because my love for Jose was deep, man. Like, I, I remember getting, like, a big grey coat to try and, like... Remember when his big grey coat was, like, iconic? And I was like, yeah, I need one of those, too. And I remember going out and getting one just to kind of be like him. Because he was just, like you said, Aaron, like, his attitude and his prime... Jose years were just absolutely unreal. Everyone against us, it was just it was just unreal. And when he came back after Benitez, oh my god, I was the happiest I had been as a Chelsea fan in a long, long time up to that. And that was but, the biggest reward because he came right after Benitez. Benitez was exactly. one of those managers we absolutely hated. Yep, absolutely. Mike, I want to. I'm interested to hear your takes on this because I know your fandom isn't as long as ours, but I'm. I know you like Jose too. So yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, the the one thing that that struck me about Mourinho is that he's you know where you stand with him, and I think that's such a 
a fantastic quality to have as a coach um, because, it, you know, as a player and in, in we've all played sports in some capacity, um, not knowing where you stand on with with the coach or on the team, things like that can really affect how you play. Um, and I think you saw that a lot in the uh, all or nothing as well when, you, you know, you had players like Danny Rose approaching him and um, things like that. So, you know, he's he's a fantastic he's a fantastic coach. Um, but, you know, I keep hearing this whole like, you know, Mourinho's second year, he's going to do it and things like that. Well, I mean, to be fair, we're getting we're getting Lampard's second year now and we're in a position right now to really do some damage and, and make a lot of teams feel pain. So um, I wouldn't discount what Frank's got going on. I think in this situation here, the student may have surpassed the master. Um, and it's, and it's no mark against, um, it's no mark against Jose, uh, Jose for that. Early matter. days. Though. Early days. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no. But here, here's my thing though. And, and yeah, he's, he, he's brought on guys and yeah, I mean, Frank played for him. There's been a lot of there's been a lot of fantastic players that have played for this guy, and he always speaks his mind. Um, reminds me a lot of you know a certain NBA coach um, in terms of in terms of how he sets up and in terms of how he's he's very blunt about how he goes about his business. And that's and that's my beloved Greg Popovich. Um, so for me, you know, Jose will always I will always have respect for Jose. Um, no matter what what he does or where he goes, um, for me it's in. It, I think it's. I don't look at where he's coaching so much as I'm. I'm just marvelled at how he's been able to get the job done in a lot of places. Um, I mean, hell, he won a Champions League with Porto. Um, you know, that's that that should say everything right there. Um, the guy is a, a, a master. But, uh, we should have won that one. I can't. I still can't get over that. I don't know. Marshall has the same sentiment. Fucking Ranieri tinkering around against Monaco like an idiot. Oh, yeah, that's the thing. He wasn't a winner, right? He wasn't a winner, uh, Ranieri. And it's a lot of uh, the hardcore fans at the time really against that change. But uh, I think you know we had to make that. We had billion dollar owner starting to get big players. We needed the big coach, and he was the one that we 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 got. And uh, you know, history is made. Yeah, no doubt. I um, didn't mean to get off on a tangent, but it's like the amount of Champions Leagues this team should have won. It's at least, what, three or four easily? Maybe, maybe, but it's uh, it's a game of luck for Champions League. It's not always the best team. Oh, no doubt. Uh, you know, I, I don't feel too much regret about it. I mean, we should have had the 2003 one, yeah. We should have won the penalties against United, maybe, but and a couple of semis we lost. But I guess, I mean, we probably should at least have two, I would say rather than one, but I'm still delighted and really happy of my one. Of course, of course. Um, the next segment, yeah, next segment is going to be Twitter questions, and I know we're running late, so what I'm going to do is, I'm rather than having everyone answer the same one, I'm literally just going to ask you guys each a question that we got to speed it up. Um, so the first question comes from my guy, at Treyo Wolf, who asks, uh, what is the ideal set of moves for the midfield in the next year, including additions and departures, as well as promotions from the youth, from the youth team, yada yada. Um, and I know the best person to ask this is going to be Matt. He knows this team. He knows the youth team. Um, so yeah, for the midfield, what do you think is going to happen in the next couple of years? With you know, are we going to add to it? Who's going to leave? Youth team players coming in. Uh, I think it's going to be a very 
unpredictable one because we've got so much attacking and defensive talent within the midfield, whether it's in the youth, out on loan or in a team right now. I think looking at the current players we've got in the team, Jorginho is gone. Kovacic eventually will go. Um, Kante will stay, but obviously eventually four or five years will fizzle out and be more of a rotational player, but still stay at the club. Uh, I think Billy Gilmore is here to stay. Ampadu, I'm not too sure. I think he... I would like him to stay, but I have a feeling it's going to be the point where he's going to go, I ain't got enough game time. I need to move elsewhere. Uh, Loftus-Cheek, I still have full belief in him, and I think he will be in the round this team in the future to come. Barkley, I think he's going in the summer. Um, then looking down into the youth players and the players on loan, I think Conor Gallagher, again, he's similar to Ampadu, I think. You can see he's got the talent, but I think he may get a move elsewhere to get more game time. Um, and Tino Andrin, he's like Loftus Cheek, so I think he will. He's got time on his hands. I think he will come in. He will come in. He will be very good. Havertz um, and Mount, I think both will stay, but I'm still a bit worried that Havertz will look and chase around Madrid or something. I think we could lose Havertz in two to three years. And then that will be the time for someone like Tino to come and step in his footsteps and try and prove himself. Um, looking into the, even looking down to people like Lewis Bate, Lewis Bate is a phenomenal player. I think he's got to go out and do it in the men's game because I think he's doing it at the youth level, but he needs to improve. But we've just got so much attacking talent it's, it, and defensive talent. It's just so hard to pick. Yep. who's going to go, who's going to stay. But if, if I could make a prediction, that's what I think will happen. That's definitely tough, man. We've got so many so many midfielders coming, so many midfielders in the squad already. And, you know, who's who's Lampard going to want to bring in and all that kind of stuff. So definitely tough question to ask. Um, Mike, I'm going to come to you for this. Second question of Cherry Wolf. He asks, Giroud, do we let him leave out of respect or keep him longer? And maybe have him lose a European spot. Tough question. Yeah, no, that is a tough question. Um, Personally, I I would say let him leave, man. Um, At a, you know, at a respect, or, or you know, I would honor, I would honor his wishes here. But obviously, we gotta, we gotta put the team first. Um, So that would, that would require us to be able to secure another, another striker, in my opinion, or, or have somebody that's, that's ready to come in and take that spot. you know, I um, I may have I may have said something a few episodes ago about one uh, particular player from Dortmund, and I was like, oh yeah, let's see him do it another season. And the guy's just been a machine. So if we were to perhaps maybe secure somebody like Holland, uh, I wouldn't hate that at all. And Giroud can go on his merry way to Syria <laughs> or wherever you'd like. Yeah, no, but in, but in, all, in all seriousness, though, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't, I, I got so much respect for the guy because he has handled this whole thing with just class and he could have been a complete petulant child. I mean, he's been the, the, the definition of a, of a professional um, and he's handled it well and he's come in and he's even delivered. 
uh, when called upon, obviously for, you know, we look at that Ren game. So yep. for me, I'm like, look, man, if, if we can, if we have somebody in mind that we're going to, we're, we're okay with bringing in, slotting them in and letting, I, I have no problems letting him go because I think it's, I think at that point that's good business and it's, and it's good for the player in that respect. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. 100%. Um, Next question, I'm gonna go. Oh, this one, this one's gonna be for Mark because I'm sure he's gonna <laughs> he's got something positive to say. Um, this question is from McKellar. Uh He asks, "Why should we sacrifice all the Jorginho and or Kovacic stands to the gods?" <laughs> 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 you know exactly where he's going with that. So go ahead. Oh God. Um, yeah, I definitely see. I mean, was this question why should we do it or when? Or oh yeah, yeah. No, why? So, <laughs> Why should we sacrifice them to the gods for the good of humanity? That's to answer his question. Um, no, I mean, I actually really like Kova, um, and I think that he would do well as, as a player that can come in, play games, um, but I don't think that that partnership... I, I definitely don't think there's room for Jorginho anymore, especially with the plethora, as you said at the beginning, of uh, midfielders we have already and ones that might come I think if we want to revolve as a team he's not he doesn't fit the way we play he doesn't fit the style of football he cannot defend the space in behind neither can Kovacic but Kovacic is still I think useful because he's really good at carrying the ball out he's really good under pressure that stuff Jorginho isn't um, so yeah I, for the good of humanity we sacrifice all of those uh, those people yeah I think I hope that uh, answers uh, Michelli Leha, Leha's uh, question I definitely butchered his name as well um, but yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, he's my favourite guy from Cape Town, from South Africa that I know uh, on Twitter. <laughs> he's definitely the number one. Um, but no, I would say the yeah, definitely we've got to sacrifice those guys. Um, it's possible that Kovacic could be sold, but I would want to recoup the money we spent on him if we do sell him. I think he's a good enough player uh, to be part of the squad, and I would, I mean, I would keep Kovacic but sell Georgie for certain. Oh, 100 percent. No, I completely agree with you. Um, and I think I actually misread the question like an idiot. I think it says the Kovacic and Jorginho stands. So basically, like, you know, the fanboys, the the fanboys that are all on like the J five hive. Oh God, no! Those oh, guys, those guys, not only need to be sold, but to be put on permanent loan over at Burnley or whatever hipster coach they're supporting now, like Tuchel, who just drew with Bordeaux. Um, and, and I've been, I've been to Bordeaux. They can't play football. Um, and and you know, you you oh my God, those guys. I mean, I mean, sure, you can be fans of players, but at some point you've just got to become ignorant if you thought, ever thought that Jovovich was the way forward in this team. It is the opposite. They're good, they're good when we got the ball, but you don't play the whole game with the ball at your feet. And right. the amount of goals we conceded because of the, the partnership of those and in behind and some other player or defender got blamed as a result of them two and Kepa. It was insane. I never want to see it again. And the stands as well. Goodbye. Yep, no doubt. Because the the thing is, is like you, they actually want to see Jorginho's success more than Chelsea's success. That's the way I see it. So it's like, why are you here? Um, so oh, go ahead. No, oh, never mind. Okay. Uh, so next question, I'm gonna go to. Um, this is this is a ridiculous question, but it is a question nonetheless. It's also from McKelly. And I'm going to go to, let's go to Corey. It's a, it's a random question. It says, if Pinocchio says his nose is going to grow, does it still grow? 
Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it does if he like says it's gonna grow. I'm pretty. Sure. Oh, actually, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's tough. Probably not. But <laughs> I, I be aware. This is a very interesting <laughs> asked question, and I have not watched Pokio, Pinocchio since I was like. No, so know. the concept is that his nose will only grow if he lies. If he lies, right? Yeah, I haven't watched it. I knew that. I, I haven't watched it in years, so my I, my thought process was I knew that he definitely grows when he when he lies, but like for some reason I was like I, I was like I just couldn't wrap it around my head for a second. So yeah, it definitely <laughs> definitely would not grow if he says it. But Unless, then he's well, see, kind of a double sword. We could go forever for that one. Yeah, it's one of those things because if he's then lying about it, then obviously it would grow. But if he's telling the truth. Then would it not grow? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Don't Why does he got to do this type of stuff? I, this it doesn't guy. grow if he tells the truth yet. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely wouldn't grow. No, but he's he's like so he's all right. I'm Pinocchio is telling you, hey, my nose is going to grow. So what happens? <laughs> I don't know. I think we're all left. <laughs> I think I don't think anybody would have gotten this one right. All right, let's move on. We've got too many good ones. Um, Nick from that Chelsea pod. I love this guy, man. He he's a solid guy who everyone needs to follow. Um, he asked a bunch of random questions, and I'm sorry, Nick. I know you're gonna listen, but I'm gonna skip right through. Um, this is for everyone. Are we winning the league this season? Yes or no? Shout out. Yes. Yes, we are. Yes, one. Matt's gonna be like, oh, maybe one hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. One hundred percent. We're gonna win one one. So exactly. <laughs> we are 100% going to win the league. <laughs> Little Little back, there we go. Without question. There we go. All right. So, Nick, we're winning the league. Last question um, comes from the legend that is RJ Good Things. Big supporter of ours. So, I love this guy as well. So, make sure everyone follows him. Oh, he's got a couple questions. Um, preferred starting 11. Who wants to take that? Tomorrow starting Anyone? eleven. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Arrow, are you doing the you doing the previews article? Yep, I will go first. I'm going Do to it. the same team. So Mendy in goal, Mendy at goal, center packs Zuma and Silva, Reese James at right back, Chilwell at left back, Conte as lone DM, Kovacic and Mount ahead of Conte, Tammy Abraham. As a striker, left wing Werner and right wing Z. So that's your preferred starting eleven if everyone's fit. Okay, if everyone's fit, I mean, I, mean, I think it's for tomorrow, not if everyone's fit. No, no, no. His question is just if everyone's fit, who are you starting? Sorry, okay. I should have made that a bit more. Okay, the backline remains the same. Conte remains where he is. Uh, Mount, Havertz partners Mount in place of Kovacic. Uh, shift. Werner to the striking position, Pulisic on the left wing, and Ziyech on the right wing. I think we all agree with that. I don't think there's any debate. Yep. Beautiful. (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't want to sacrifice Tammy Abraham with the point right now. But come on, it can't be helped. You can't drop Werner for fuck's sake. (laughs) It's true. It's true. All right. His next question is Who would you add to our squad and why? Anyone? Arlen. Arlen, there we go. Arlen. He's the main guy. <laughs> yeah, Arlen. 
Dude, he was just dominate for years, man. And Mbappe, oh where he, where's he playing? But where's Haaland playing? Who are you dropping? Mbappe's playing striker, and I'm playing Werner Lequin. Pulisic can be super sub. Sorry. Yeah, seriously. Honestly, if you sign Mbappe, he he can literally play where the fuck he wanted. I wouldn't care. Anywhere in the front. <laughs> Anywhere, yeah. Anywhere in the front three, yeah. Yeah. All right, player of the season so far, and why? Winner. Mindy. Hey, no, but seriously, let's. I, I, I won't even. I won't even look at. It. I'll, I'll leave it to to somebody like Mister Analysis or Arrow. Um, he's got to be up there with with clean sheets, and he has started. He yeah, he started like the fewest amount of games right, for a goalkeeper. Geez. Yeah, so there we are. Um, player of the season, right? There. <laughs> Mike, Mike, you're gonna have to be the goalkeeper when when WWC Pod takes on uh, SW6 Daily oh. in a football game. I know it's gonna be like a hundred players against our like six, but we're gonna win. You, <laughs> you, you've got to you've got to play you've got to play like uh, the Mendy role, the white American Mendy. Oh yeah, dude, I've, I've been I've been running, I've been doing a lot, dude. I've been dropping the LBs. I'm ready. I'm prime. Oh, I've, I've already got I've, I've already got the kid. I'm ready. I think, I think the ready. Let's do deserves to be at the goalkeeping position. No doubt. But player of the season, for me, that's a tough one. Um, you know what? I know I know. Ara said team of honor. For me, it's going to be Thiago Silva, man, because he made that back line what it is. He has made that back line what it is. And Zuma's not this good without Thiago. Reese isn't that good without Thiago. Chilwell isn't that good without That's just me. But to me, it's been him so far. No one's picked Ziyech yet, so I'm picking him. He's played like three games. That's the only reason. Yeah, but he's played a 10 and 9 out of 10 in all of those games. That's fair enough. That's fair enough, too. Anyone else, Matt? I'd say Ziyech as well. Oh, Jesus Christ. Fair enough. Last question from RJ. Who's been your favorite podcast guest so far? Oh, that's going to change. I mean, I know we haven't had many, but I, I'm not... Myself. Speaking from yeah, <laughs> fair enough, all of us, all of us. I was gonna say, I think I speak on behalf of Marv and Mike. Matt, oh Jesus, Matt, fuck, these M's are killing me. Um, it's for me, it's it's obviously Paul Canaville. I mean, the privilege that was 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 touching. Um, but if I had to, yeah, it's gonna be him. I mean, no disrespect to you, but you lot are great. I don't think we've had anyone else. I think it's all been this uh, just us lot. <laughs> yeah, had, I think uh, in, we had Scott uh, from America. Yeah, we've had Scott. We've had Scott. We've had Andrew. Obviously, he's a new part of the team, and Josh and Ali. But outside of that, I think it's only this. Of course, like, no one compares to Paul Kennedy. Travis, uh, well, of yeah. course, but I mean, yeah, he's you know yeah, we're working on the things. That's that's good. <laughs> and Sadiq, who's not here, is working on something big. I think it might be coming out in a couple of days. I'm not going to say who, I'm not going to say what, but stay tuned. That's going to be a fantastic episode. Or if he has he or her on the YouTube, it's going to be phenomenal. So that's all I'm going to say. So stay tuned to Mr. Sadiq. Tune in daily, as he says. Subscribe. Tune in daily. Tune in. Tune in. Like those Naruto things. Tune in. Tune, yes. C-H-O-O-N. Tune in. C-H-U-N-I-N. Tune in. 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 Tune in.
But for twenty five million you pounds, you could buy a Region. <laughs> it's Regulon, man. Stop making fun of it. It's the regular Regulon. <laughs> We love you. We wish you were here with us, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Why are you making fun of me, man? I agree with you. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Like and subscribe. <laughs> oh I love that. I'm losing composure, but it's the end of this podcast. The original Gangster 6, excluding. I want to thank listen guys on behalf of myself I love each and every one of you as you know we've come how, it's not been a year yet has it it's coming up to it no. though it's not it's not yeah. it, it started around like what uh, like March just before March the April. lockdown yeah, yeah. around the lockdown yeah. period yeah coming up to it 42 episodes we've created a team that is absolutely fucking fantastic um, I wouldn't change it for the world you guys are my therapy sessions, man. I love coming to you guys in our little selective group chat that is strictly just us. And it's that is the best thing that's happened to me in a long, long time. So um, for me to you, I absolutely love you lot. I'm oh, feeling love you, that bro. mutual love, brother. Uh, the feeling is mutual. The feeling is absolutely mutual. Uh, absolutely I mean, mutual. I am absolutely glad to be here. So good to be here after so long. And yeah, wow. like Kamal said, love this team. Couldn't ask for more. Wouldn't change a single person. Uh, maybe <laughs> Marv sometimes. <laughs> Just kidding. I love you, Marv. Uh, I love you, my man. <laughs> <laughs> it has been great. It has been a great journey. And what a long period. And a long, what a long episode this has been. Wow, it, ha- it is 4.30 a.m. right now. Okay. Hey, listen. When okay, I'm, I got to sleep right now, guys. Bye-bye. When I'm hosting, we do long things, all right? That's how we do it when we come out host. We do long things. Oh, come on, likes it long. <laughs> That's thick. what I'm saying. Long as <laughs> That was a short... Let's not go there. But feel free, Matt, give us your final thoughts. Give us your final words. Well, let's just hope we beat Spurs tomorrow. Go on to get top of the table, win the league, and lift that Premier League trophy. Yeah, I love it. Love. Wow, lift that. Uh, continuing on from lifting that trophy, feeling that cold steel on our hot summer day against the face when we drink from the blood of thy enemies. And what a beautiful <laughs> part. <laughs> love that, love that. Mike, give us your final thoughts. Not conceding shit tomorrow. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I just love it. And Corey, final thoughts, my friend. Uh, I hope we beat the shit out of these guys. Honestly, I can't fucking stand them. <laughs> we will. We will. I'm fully confident. I don't know about beat the shit out of them, but we're gonna beat them because you know I don't think it's gonna be. I don't think it's gonna be like three or nil more. But yeah, we're gonna get it done. We're gonna get we it done. No doubt. We are. No doubt. We have to. Yep. We beat twice last season league. when we had a depleted team. Like our team was messed up last season, and we beat them twice. Why not? This we had season? Alonso and William, who are the Tottenham killers. They are also killers of our attack, so I'm good. <laughs> All right, that's the end. I don't want Bob to respond to that. <laughs> I know Bob's going to be triggered. <laughs> the microphone is back on, ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I'll be it. No, that's it. That's it. Ma- that Marv is it. switching on his SJW mode and is triggered. Yeah. <laughs> going off golden bullets. All right, listeners, thank you so much for tuning into yet another episode. We're gonna do it more. We apologize for the for the like the kind of slacking of the content, specifically myself. I apologize for that, but you know, grown up adult shit takes over. But we will do more. Hopefully, we're getting another one with this dub tomorrow. But as always, thank you as always. Up the charts, love it.